Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. everybody welcome back to another edition of the 12 questions podcast my name is jeff gluck i'm a motorsports writer for the athletic and each week i ask the same 12 questions to a different race car driver last year going into the inaugural race at worldwide technology raceway aka gateway we did a 12 questions with kenny wallace because he's a st louis area native and he was going to be doing the race day show at the track and he Ended up giving us one of the best 12 questions of the season last year. It was uh, very well-received, very popular. So, of course, I wanted to try and have him back again for this year's Gateway Race. And once again, I think Kenny delivered as only Kenny can. All right, everybody. After a very popular 12 questions last year, the people demand more Kenny Wallace. So we're back for another one. Kenny, how are you doing? I'm doing really good. I'm truly honored to be with you because I think that you've done a lot of good. Uh, and I named those three things on Twitter. You know, you started Quiet Track and 12 Questions. And, you know, you, you, you've, been, you've been an innovator. You don't know, but you've kind of paved the way for social media in NASCAR. That's very kind of you. I appreciate that. But I was I, – I remember, again, we were at the same – 2010 or 2009 social media in motorsports yep. conference and we were telling people how to tweet because we were two of the early people on there so uh, you were you were along for the whole ride yeah i remember telling you that if i put lol that means it's all good that doesn't that, you know if you're to say something smart ass and you put laughing behind it it kind of means hey we're drinking beer you know, just take it easy with a grain of salt, you know? Yep. Yeah. We need more LOL on Twitter. It, it sort of, it sort of got out of control, but that's, a, that's okay. Yes. All right. I agree. So the first question this year is uh, you have to pick one chore or obligation to do every single day for a year. But if you make it the entire year doing this, you never have to do it again for the rest of your life. So what would you like to pick? At this time, in my life and at my age, it would be doing the laundry. Mm, yeah. So I make the bed every morning. I do the laundry. I take out the trash. I pay all the bills, take care of the taxes, make sure my wife is taken care of. But she did all, she did all the clothes, you know, in my NASCAR days, because she wanted me to look good. Mm -hmm. So yeah, now I'm doing. Now it. you're doing. <laughs> <it>. <laughs> um, can you describe how you are as a passenger in a streetcar? People say to me, when I'm a passenger, I don't know exactly if this is the right way to go or not, and I tell them, 
It doesn't matter. I'm along for the ride. So when I'm a rider, I'm very patient. If I'm not patient, I tell them to let me drive. (laughs) (laughs) So I, I, I go to appearances, right? And somebody's driving me. And I'm like, it's better you drive because I don't know where I'm at. You can get, you could be lost and I wouldn't know it. Right, right. But if, but if I know what I'm doing, let me drive. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great strategy. That's so simple, but so great. Um, what is an app on your phone that you love using and think other people should know about? Banking app. Oh, okay. Oh my God. I love my bank app. It, I, I can't tell you. How many reasons I have to, I used to have to run to the bank, whether it's, you know, I mean, you know, we, we went to the bank our whole lives. I did, you know, I'll be 60 in August, but I remember Joe Custer, you know, who helps run, you know, Stuart Haas. I used to, I used to, I made friends with Joe Custer cause I, I'd see him at the bank all the time, <laughs> <laughs> but I learned to work my banking app and it has just saved me so much time. Now, I will tell you this, as a racer, that Flow app and that Dirt Vision app, they are, they are everything for me because, you know, you, I mean, if I'm at a race, let's say I'm running my dirt car and I'm ready to go for the A main and I have a little time, I see what's going on across the country. Yep. You know, turn on a World of Outlaw Sprint Car race, you know, while I'm waiting for my A main. That's awesome. Because, you know, sometimes we run these local races and, uh, you know, we run our heat race and, you know, it could be an hour and a half, two hours before my feature comes. And sometimes you like to see what's going on somewhere else. So these for a racer, these racing apps like Flow and Dirt Vision, they're fantastic. But in the the normal world, the banking app is God's gift to a person my age. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. You know, I, you know, my bills are all paid and it just, you know, has a lot to do with paying bills and things like that. Yeah. Yeah. I totally get that. Uh, what do you do to make yourself feel better when you're having a crappy day? Mm, that's a really good question. First thing that comes to my mind is um, what Dick Trickle taught me. <clears throat> as long as you can justify it. So in other words, if I'm having a bad day, I try to think about what's next. In other words, like right now, right now, I, you know, I, we drove seven hours from Wisconsin. I'm tired. Right now, I'm thinking about where am I going to eat, you know, that makes me happy. And I'm kind of thinking about laying down and, you know, taking it easy and, you know, tomorrow – at nine, nine o'clock, we're going to do another Zoom meeting for NASCAR race day. And so I, I, when I'm having a bad day, I try to project what's good coming up and what can't, if it's not, if nothing's good coming up, what can I make good? Hmm. And, and it's a great question because I, I use that technique all the time. You know, I really like that. Yeah. Well, like right now I, I'm tired. So I feel mm-hmm. like if I'm home for a couple of days, I'm going to get some good sleep. You've been doing a lot of been going hard. So I want to make sure I get some good rest because, you know, I'm really going to give it everything I got to run this cars tour race for Dale Jr. 
you know, Saturday night and there's a lot of work, a lot of planning, a lot of testing going into it. So it's like right now I'm tired, you know, so let's get some rest. Let's eat some good food. Let's get some good sleep, you know, and I'm looking, you know, we go to the movies on Tuesday night. I'm, what's the movie going to be tomorrow night? You know, that type of stuff, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So Kenny, this year, one thing I did was I'm, this is sort of like a Dear Abby type segment. So I asked readers to give me a bunch of life advice questions and I'm doing a different one for each driver each week. And I'm just sort of randomly assigning them or kind of slotting them in based on how, you know, the person's life situation or whatever. So this says this person has a marriage question. I know you've been married for a long time, so maybe you can help this person out. Yeah. So this is what they say. My wife and I recently moved out of a big city and into the suburbs. The move has been great. It's given our family more space and we even have a kitchen upgrade from the galley kitchen we had in the city to a nice open kitchen in the suburbs. My wife loves to bake, so the bigger kitchen, the better. However, she also loves to buy things. Specifically, she has an obsession with travel coffee mugs and big insulated tumblers that are 40-plus ounces. But now she's complaining about a lack of cabinet space and counter space in our kitchen, and she just bought a big countertop air fryer. How can I convince her she is her own worst enemy in this battle for space without me having to sleep on the couch? What, what would you say to this poor person? I literally just went through this and I could call my <laughs> wife right now. I, uh, it has to be their idea, but you have to plant it. Okay. So what I do is I learn to get along with my wife, right? Like I was watching Snoop Dogg family reunion years ago. And he said, I'm going to remarry. I'm, I'm going to renew our vows. So I told my wife, I said, hey, I love you. Let's let's renew our vows at our 25th anniversary. She says, I don't know. I don't know. Well, a couple of days later, it was all her idea. <laughs> <laughs> so so with the cabinetry, uh, every cabinet I would open up. I, now, I'm serious when I say this. I know. We had 150, 200 cups, glasses, some from her grandma that were old, and, and but they were sentimental. We never used them. Or like you said, it's like every company, every golf tournament, everywhere you went, people were giving you these, what do they call those things? The tumbler mug things. Yeah, tumblers. insulated. Yeah. It's like, how many more of these can I? So I said to her, I said, Kim, if you ever get around to it, we need to clean these cabinets out because we don't use one of them. I use one one cup of coffee in the morning, and then I have my iced tea cup. I use two cups for my whole life. <laughs> and yeah, sure right. enough, sure enough, maybe maybe not a month later, but her cleaned it all out. And so that's the first technique I would try. Plant the idea and just say that I use a coffee mug in the morning and a normal cup for my iced tea or my water. I get, I use two cups my whole life and there's a hundred glasses here. <laughs> and and I'm lucky that did, you got to be patient. Those like setting bait fishing, <laughs> you, you, you know? So 
that's that eventually did work for me. That's beautiful. I love that. I love that. That's great. I, I think that could work very well. Um, gotta say it nice though, honey. I love you, but I gotta tell you something. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so the next one is also like a uh, pop culture slash societal debate or dilemma. And I'm also changing that for each person. So, okay. This just happened to me recently and I didn't know what to do and I want to get your take. I know you travel a lot as well. Okay. So you're at the gate at, at the airport and you're waiting for your flight. Somebody nearby is watching a video and they do not have their headphones in and it's very loud. Everybody around can hear it and everybody's kind of looking at them like, you know, and the person just watching away in their video. So I don't know what to do. Are you supposed to do you ignore the noise? Do you move seats? Do you just put on headphones or do you say something to them? What are you, what are you supposed to do? Oh, hi, Kim. First of all, there's Kim. I heard, I'm going to answer that. He just asked, he, this is the legendary Jeff Gluck. She's like, who the hell's that? <laughs> I get that a lot, Kim. So far removed from the sport. I don't know anybody. <laughs> it's, it's all good. I get it all the time. I, you know, hold on. He just, he, he did this dear Abby question. He says, you move from the suburbs, you get into a new house, you got lots of cabinetry space, but we got all these tumblers, all these glasses. I said, you got to make it your wife's ideal. I, to I, I, told, I told them how you finally cleaned everything out. Yeah, I did. <laughs> I can make room for others. So this is, another great, this is another great question because I put it on social media. We were coming back from Cabo, and there was this man that literally was laying – it was packed around our gate, packed. And this guy's laying all across like eight seats with no shoes on and, oh. and crust, crusty feet, nasty oh. toes. And I took a picture of him because I wanted to embarrass him. But, you know, I really feel like this, this is an issue. Uh, and, you know, when I want to listen to something, I put the volume real low and I put it up to my ear, but it amazes me the etiquette, you know, obviously I think if it, it if it gets to be too much, I move because I'm not confrontational. However, we all have those moments in those days. And as you know, the reason I quit Fox sports is because of that question. The more you go to the airport, the more angrier you get. Mm -hmm. I cannot stand the airport. It's it's filth. It's it's a bunch of people that want their space, and you're not going to get it because you're all piled in on top of each other. So the more I travel, the more I would tell that person, excuse me, I can't hear myself talk. Will you please turn that down a little bit? Yeah. But if I'm in a good mood... I'll just move. So it's going to be those two things. There's not an absolute, mm -hmm. you know, there's not a perfect answer. So if I'm traveling every week and I'm, if I'm Jeff Gluck or, you know, I'm, I'm one of the traveling, you know, NASCAR media, I'm pissed all the time. <laughs> yeah. Because, you yeah. know, when I worked for, you know, Fox TV, it was, you know, you left Thursday night. Friday night, Saturday night, Sunday night. Sometimes you left Monday. And I despise the airport because it's, you know, everybody's about themselves. 
So I either move seats if I'm in a good mood or, you know, you got to say, excuse me, I can't, I can't hear myself. Mm -hmm. You know, can you please turn that down? And then most likely you're going to get into a fight. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Right. Right. But I think this is the world we live in. It's brutal. Yeah. I, I don't disagree. So this is another wild card type question. So, okay, my my impression of today's NASCAR drivers is that they are more aggressive than ever and there's less give and take than in the past or that I remember at least. But I'm also I also feel like I have a lot of recency bias and sometimes I get caught up in the moment of what's going on. Oh, Ross Chastain, oh, you didn't see people like this before kind of thing. So, you know, you've you've seen it all. So, my question is, do you think that the modern day NASCAR drivers are more aggressive than the previous generation, or is that sort of a false perception that just gets inflamed when, when things happen? No, you're, you're accurate. And I'll tell you why. So the reason that the modern day NASCAR cup driver is running into everybody, number one, and I don't mean this mean, they never worked on their own race cars. We, we have an era now, There's an era, remember I said, I don't mean this mean. There's an era now where I can name all the drivers off. And I love these guys, but they never worked on their own race cars. When you go back, Matt Kenseth, Rusty Wallace, Mark Martin, all those guys, they they worked on their own equipment. So they knew when they wrecked it, they had to fix it, Mm. okay? Nowadays, also the other reason is that this next-gen car, the front bumper assembly is so strong that when you go to when you go to you know spin somebody out or move them, you know, we used to be able to move people, hit them in the left rear, hit them in the rear, and you move them up the track. Now the cars are so strong that you know you you just, you you got to hit them hard to move them out of the way. Like if you watch the race at Martinsville, they can't move each other. Right. And we start. We saw this coming and coming. If you go back to the car tomorrow, you can see Jeff Gordon just destroying the back bumper of Jimmy Johnson and could not move him up the groove. I don't know if you remember that race, yeah. but Jeff Gordon was just knocking the hell out of Jimmy Johnson and realized I can't move this guy because these new cars are so strong. You know, the front bumper used to be where you hit somebody and it lifted them up because the bumpers didn't match up real good. Mm-hmm. If the front bumper hit the rear bumper, it kind of hit underneath, it lifted them up, made them light. So to me, it's the two reason. First of all, years ago, if you hit somebody, you would knock the radiator out of the car. So you, right. you had to be careful moving them because you, you ruin your own race car. Nowadays, you know, they're so strong that you can just knock the hell out of them. And uh, you got to hit them so hard to spin them out that, uh, you know, then you get Ryan Priest, who built his own race cars, gave powerful quote after Circuit of the America. You know, they're all a bunch of hacks. It's because he built his own race cars. Mm-hmm. So that sound quote came from the right driver. Yep. So two things, you know, most drivers, you know, these drivers nowadays never built their own race cars. And that's not a, that's not a comment. That's just 
truth. And then the other thing is you can't hurt these cars anymore. Mm-hmm. It, it's hard to knock the radiator out. You know, they're so strong. Yeah, no, that, that totally makes sense how you're saying it. Um, in your career, in your career, what is the deal that came closest to happening that ended up not working out? There was a moment that I thought we were going to get crown Royal as a sponsor. Mm. It was going to be a big deal. It was going to be with that, that team that I drove for that number 27 car, uh, that had Viagra, uh, forgot the name of that. Barry Dotson was my crew chief for a little bit. Um, but thought we had crown Royal and we did. And we asked NASCAR, you know, to approve it. They wouldn't approve it. Of course, later on, they needed it, you know, and then IROC series needed it. Um, and then the other one that was okay, but emotional is, uh, when Steve Park got hurt, I got in that Pennzoil car and it saved my career. You know, of course we set quick time at Rockingham, you know, we run second, got beat on short pitting. Uh, and you know, it, it was kind of, is Steve Park ready to come back or not? And then he'd come back and it ended up being the end of his career. Uh, you know, I so badly wanted another year in that car and I was so badly wanted Steve to recover. And, uh, you know, he ran, I was there ready to help him in that Bristol race. And the first race he came back, of course he had a tough race, but those are the two that, you know, then probably the third one, is uh, I got word that Andy Petrie really didn't believe in my driving anymore. And uh, we were running good, though, in that squared E car. We just run second to Earnhardt at Talladega. And it hurt my feelings so bad that I, I quit. And I, I, you know, went to drive for the 27 car. And Andy called me up and he said, look, Let's let's forget everything that happened. You just continue driving the car. And I was so upset that I said, nope, I'm I'm gone. Mm. The older Kenny would have forgiven. Yeah. You know, because the older Kenny learns that men just say things. You know, it's a big boy sport and people's feelings are gonna get hurt. All yeah. you know, th- then later on I, I run second to Earnhardt and we're now we all love each other, but I already pulled the plug, you know? Mm, yeah. And those, yeah. those three, you know? Yeah, sure. That makes, that's, that's really interesting. Who is a person you would be starstruck by when meeting them? Elon Musk. Oh yeah. Yeah. Because I think he's unbelievably brilliant. I also have a heart and I think, people unfairly criticize him for being smart. And so what he wants to hear himself, you know, uh, he can chew gum and walk better than anybody I've ever seen in my life. Uh, I think he sees, you know, no different than Bill Gates. You, You know, you see somebody that started something and they're not smart enough to finish it. And, you know, Bill Gates, obviously if, if it's accurate, he didn't start, you know, all the great things he did, but he knew how to finish them, you mm-hmm. know, and I just, 
forget about politics and forget about Republican or Democrat. I just think he's, I just think he's so smart. It's unbelievable. And I have always been fascinated by weird or different people. I, I am fascinated by people that are different uh, because us normal people, we're just, we're just normal. We just fit in. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Elon Musk for sure. Okay. All right. What is the single most important skill a race car driver can possess? I God given talent, God given, God gave it to you. There's, there's a handful of drivers that came along. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll go in this era right now, William Byron. I mean, if it's, you can tell me, but what all I hear is that the only cars he ever drove was on, on the, you know, the computers. Is that true? Yeah. I mean, before he got in real cars, he, that's how he got, he told, he got into it that way. Cause he was interested in NASCAR. So he started doing that. And then he told his dad like, Hey, I want to try this in real life. So, I mean, that was his sort of his self-taught training at least, you know? So, yeah, so for the modern day kid, when I look at people that have God given talent, in other words, I had to make myself a race car driver. I had to practice at it. I, I, I had to I had to hone my skills for what I have. Then you look at guys like Jeff Gordon, who never worked on a race car in his life. You know, loving the death. He's my brother, but I don't think he's ever used a wrench in his life. You know, Kyle Larson, you know, these drivers are gifted by God. That's that's the single most unbelievable component a race car driver can have is a God-given talent. Now, let's say you don't have God-given talent. What's the single most thing you can possess is studying the sport. Study it. Don't ignore, don't ignore things. Take it all in. I totally believe I'll argue with people to this to the day I die. I think Dale Earnhardt Jr. and Chase Elliott are good because as babies, they watched their dad's race. And I think it, I think they sucked it all in. And I think it became them. I believe that. Yeah, I could buy that. And it, and it could be in the genes too. Yeah. Interesting. But yeah, I, I think talent is watching. That's the single most skill I think if you're not if you don't have a god-given talent because there's too many people that just look like they're college kids you know a college kids kind of studious looking right a, mm-hmm. a, a race car driver is supposed to have this look he's supposed to be wearing a race car t-shirt you know he's he's not supposed to be he's does he's not wearing docker shorts or jeans he's not on the you know that's the race car look and and I see so many of these drivers and now that you know, when you look at William Byron, he looks studious. He just looks he looks right. Yeah. And he just will kick your ass anywhere. Slinger, snowball derby. And it's like that kid has got a God-given talent, you know? Yeah, totally. Uh, what what life lessons from a young age stick with you and affect your daily decisions as an adult? You'll never see my last dollar. Uh, 
my mom never wants to hear this, but we grew up marginally poor. You know, we, we truly ate, you know, bologna and cheese sandwiches and brown swagger. And mom and dad worked, but all the, you know, dad spent all his money on the race car. Mom did the best she could for me. And you recognize it, you know. You, you see that your mom and dad, you know, they're living their life and they're doing their, I mean, my first motorcycle, my mom put on layaway. She, she paid a certain amount of money per month. And I could, I counted it the months and days down, you know, this month, this day, I, mom, you know, put it in layaway. And so I've, I've been given two compliments in my life that made me feel so good about myself. One of my original car owners, Philbert Martossi, who owned the TIC car and the Red Dog car. We lost Philbert a couple of years ago or a year ago, but Philbert looked me in the face one day and he says, you're one of my, you're one of the best drivers I've ever employed with his money. And, and it's not like, it's not that he knew my business, but he, you know what, I drove for him for five years. And then um, my brother Rusty was doing an interview with Martin Kilcoin, our Channel 2 sports reporter. And Martin was trying to play with my brother Rusty. Oh, you know, Kenny's funny. Kenny's goofy. And uh, all of a sudden, Rusty got real serious and said, oh, hold on. Herman knows what he's doing. He's smart and he's really good with his money. And uh, actually, that's probably the number one thing my brother Rusty's ever said about me that made me so happy. Hmm. So I would say one thing I learned as a kid that I carry with me to this day, you will never see my last dollar. I've, I've saved I saved all that money because when we grew up, it was so hard to come by. You know, I still got all my NASCAR money. I still got all my Fox TV money, you know, and I invested it properly, got rental homes because because I was never talented enough to be a Jeff Gordon. So I, as much as I was disappointed, I had to make up it in other ways. I see. I put all my kids through college. I bought them all their new cars. I like to supply for my family yeah, as good as I can. Wow. Good for you. That's awesome. That's really great. Um, so this, I, I, this sort of leads into the, the final question here. So each week I ask a driver to give me a question for the next person. So um, the last one I did was with Scott McLaughlin, the IndyCar driver. And um, so he says, uh, what separated you and Rusty? Like, what did you do better? What did he do better? And what could you combine to make the ultimate Wallace brother? Oh, that's that's easy. First of all, Rusty's got God-given talent. He's just good. And what we could combine to make us better, it's already happened. I can make Rusty a little nicer to people and a little more understanding. Because Rusty gets mad at me because people like me. <laughs> and he knows that, and, you know. And then he 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 has taught me and given me some big shortcuts. The reason I'm good at Martinsville is because of him. The reason I'm good at Bristol is because of him. Rusty told Rusty got so mad at me about Martinsville. He goes, "Look at me." I looked at him. He says, "I don't care what you got to do. 
you make the left front of that car see that curb. I don't care where you got to let off. I don't care what you got to do. Don't let the car come off that curb. Hmm. And then at Bristol, he taught me some great driving techniques, you know, and, you know, you know, I won an Xfinity race at Bristol and I set it on a cup pole there and I won two Xfinity races at Martinsville and I set on a cup pole there. So Rusty gave me some of his shortcuts. It, it, he, he learned it and he gave me a shortcut. Okay. Mm -hmm. So you combine those talents where Rusty says, Hey, do this at this track. And it, it, it's kind of funny because at 59 years old, and this has just recently happened, me and Rusty now finally uh, talk to each other normally. Hmm. You know, he's not chewing my ass out 24 seven anymore. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, yeah. Uh, sibling, sibling relationships are not easy, you know, they're horrible. Yeah. Um, so, okay. So the next interview I'm doing is with Alex Pillow, uh, from IndyCar, the Indy 500 pole sitter. Um, do you have a question I might be able to ask him? Yeah. Um, I just recently, recently uh, watched Graham Ray uh, <clears throat> have to go through the excruciating pain of missing the Indianapolis 500. How do you overcome that? Hmm. How, you know, how do you overcome? And I watched Alan Sir Jr. miss it too when he drove for Penske or the Penske drivers. There was one year the Penske drivers could have been 10, 15 years ago. They all missed the Indy 500. How do you how do you overcome that? How long does it take? Do you ever overcome it? How do you overcome that? What techniques do you use mentally? Yeah, yeah, good stuff. Well, man, I just feel like you deliver every time. So thank you again, once again, and uh, you're you're such a blessing to all of us for the personality and the the positivity you bring. So thank you very much for that. Thank you. And I thank my mom for that. My mom says I'm an old soul. She says this is the second time I've been living. <laughs> so it ain't been easy. All right, buddy. Well, thank you. Thanks for including me. Thank you me. so much. Absolutely. Have a great one. See you, you soon, too, hopefully. Buddy. Bye -bye. All right, everybody. There you have it. Kenny Wallace, one of a kind on the 12 questions once again. And uh, if you were listening to this before the Gateway Race, you know, he is going to be in the Fox Sports booth during part of the race on Sunday, and I believe he's also doing the show with John Roberts out in the fan zone before the race. So uh, plenty more Kenny to come uh, if you are a Kenny Wallace fan, which I assume if you made it to the end of this podcast, you may enjoy what he has to say. Anyway, a little programming note for you. Of course, you heard there that Alex Pillow is the next 12 questions. And then after that, it's going to be Dale Earnhardt Jr. going into Nashville to set up NBC's first weekend of the year covering NASCAR. So Dale Jr. back on the 12 questions. That will be um, an exciting one as well. Anyway, I hope you enjoyed this one. Thanks as always for listening. And I will talk to you next time on the 12 questions podcast. <laughs>